for the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Adam Copeland. Welcome to the update. On today's show, we'll talk to Ken Korak, Oakland A's radio play-by-play man, about what kind of season the Oakland A's may have, the roster decisions that they had to make coming into the 60-game campaign, and what the A.J. Puck injury could mean big picture for these Oakland Athletics. It's Friday, opening day for the A's, July 24th. All right, well, we spent some time on Wednesday talking to Grant Brisby about San Francisco Giants baseball, but we're spoiled here in the Bay Area. We got two teams to talk about, and it would not be opening week of baseball if we didn't get a green and gold hit. So we'll welcome in now play-by-play man, radio play-by-play man for your Oakland A's, Ken Korak. Ken, welcome back to the podcast. How are you, man? Are you excited? I'm doing well, Adam. Yeah, we're ready to go. And uh, I think it was important to have the two exhibition games against the Giants, both for the players and, I have to say, for the broadcasters. So, yeah, bring it on. So a couple different elements to those games. And I know one of them was in Oakland. I assume you were in the building. And then the one in San Francisco, did you do that remotely? We did both games from the Coliseum. And trying to explain that to people, it can be a little confusing. But as you know, Adam, we're doing the, the home games like we normally would, although obviously the fans aren't there and they're piping in the crowd noise. And then for the game on Tuesday, we were right in the same spot. I'm working actually in the visiting television booth this year. And Vince Caponio was to my right and Ray Fossey was to my left. And uh, we called the games off the uh, TV monitor from San Francisco on Tuesday night. Pretty good stuff and uh, and some some pretty exciting baseball. It was interesting to see what the Giants did. I know they ran 18 different pitchers out there. The A's kind of took a different approach in that they went about the exhibition games, it seemed like, as though they were real tune-up games for the season, which gets going Friday night against the Angels. So what were your takeaways from the A's? You saw Sean Manaya, who was maybe a little bit down in velocity. We saw Mike Fires not quite as sharp as we'd seen him in the past. And then the bats struggled just a little bit, and I think that's kind of to be expected here with the timing early in the season. Everybody's been saying, or most people, that the pitchers will be ahead of the hitters. The other thing that was really hard for the hitters was the Giants used 18 pitchers in two games. I mean, they literally used a pitcher every inning, and that can be really tough. And I was actually impressed that the Giants have some good arms, and the A's had two hits on Tuesday night. Both hits came in the second inning, including Pender's triple to right center that drove in the two runs. So it's pretty hard, I think, even in a regular spring training, to judge performance in the spring and especially now in the summer training or spring training 2.0 it's it's almost impossible to really get a gauge on things uh, as far as the starting pitching is concerned i actually was impressed i thought Manaya threw the ball well on monday night he retired the last 10 batters he faced the velocity might be down a little bit but i was pleased bob melvin had said that maybe the speed readings at the coliseum could be a couple of miles an hour down and i kind of and what do i know but i kind of felt that way going to a couple of their uh, workouts. And then Fires was fine on Tuesday, and Bassett was excellent. And that is really critical for their club, as you know, Adam, because A.J. Puck is on the uh, injured list. Lizardo starts the year in the bullpen. And Bassett proved last year that he could really flourish in that swing role. But having him to join the starting rotation, I think it's a real plus for the A's. I felt kind of like, and we talked about it during the pandemic when we had John before, just sort of talking about what this meant for the A's, having to sit down for this time and, and not be able to play in a season that looked like this could be the season. You had Lazardo and you had Puck, and the potential for this team, I think, was tantalizing after after two 97-win seasons. You really felt like they could flip the script or flip the page and, and, and try to win something big this year. I want to ask about the A.J. Puck thing. It's maybe 
little irresponsible to to think about what the injury could be. I know it's shoulder soreness, and he was coming off the Tommy John, and he dealt with a similar soreness back in spring training. But what does this mean big picture for the A's? And not so much just about A.J. Puck, but does this change their, their team potential for this year? You know, I've said this a lot, that if the A's are going to really go somewhere this year or in the succeeding years, that would mean getting into the postseason and advancing and having a chance to win a World Series. Therefore, you need dominant starting pitching. So we saw that last year with the Nationals to win it all when they had guys like Scherzer and Strasburg to lead their rotation. So dominant starters are critical, especially when you get into postseason play. So from that standpoint, if Puck isn't around later in the year and can't answer the bell as a starter, uh, it might hinder the A's chances. I do think that their starting rotation is very deep, and they have guys like Frankie Montas who can dominate. You know, Manaya, Fires, and Bassett, they're all very good. So they would miss him for sure. I would be more concerned if the injury is more serious. They don't think it's that serious. Uh, it does not require surgery. Uh, there's, a, I think, a decent chance they'll come back and pitch this year. But if it turned out to be worse than the maybe the initial diagnosis, I'd be more concerned about in the succeeding years. I wouldn't be that concerned about it this year. I think more than anything, it's just kind of a bummer because we were all really excited to see what this rotation could be, so much so that they were going to move Chris Bassett sort of back to the bullpen. For me, he's kind of the key cog in this whole thing. I know Frankie Montas, you mentioned coming back after the suspension last year, but Bassett, I thought he did a fantastic job taking on that starting role last year. You're right. I mean, Bassett, did a great job last year. So I'm not too concerned about the starting pitching. I'm really concerned to see what uh, how Frankie Montas does because it was a big blow to the club when he was suspended and missed the second half of the season last year. And then, of course, was not available for the wildcard game. But going into the All-Star break last year, he was 9-2. and two. Looked like he would have had a chance maybe even to start the All-Star game if not for the suspension. I don't think there's any question he was one of the best right-handed starters, if not just general starters in the American League last season. Going back to that first exhibition game, I just sort of reflecting on it, I thought it was kind of funny because we've seen the Giants with, with such an anchor of core players for so long. And the A's were this team that was still, for the last couple of years, I guess at least, before two years ago, still finding the identity with all the young players. Marcus Simeon's been around, but Matt Olson, of course, and then Matt Chapman and picking up uh, Ramon Laureano a couple of years ago. The Stephen Piscotty trade, I know, was a big one. It almost seemed to me like the roles were reversed a little bit, like the A's are the traditional baseball team with this five-man rotation and this up-and-down lineup that seems like it can be pretty consistent day-to-day, whereas the Giants have moved, and I don't, I don't want to say more analytic, I don't know if that's even the right term, but they're playing more matchups because they don't have the same number of everyday players. Do you feel what I'm talking about, or do you, do you see or reflect on that the same way? I get it, because the A's have always been the team known for Moneyball, They were at the forefront, the vanguard of the move toward more of a reliance on data and analytics and metrics and all that. So, yeah, I get what you're saying. I have great respect for Farhan Zaidi. He's a friend. I've known him for years, of course, back to the time when he worked for the athletics. But, you know, the Giants are. Some of the stuff they're doing is a little unique. Like they have 85 different coaches, right? I mean, they've done (laughs) some things that... um, you know, kind of have broken the mold a little bit. And we'll see how that, I mean, it may be that the fact they use the, the 18 pitchers a byproduct of their opening day coming up on Thursday, and they didn't want to use the top members of their rotation in those games against the A's. I mean, we'll see how that goes. The Giants, I think, are still looking and searching to kind of put this club together. It's a work in progress. And no disrespect to them, I don't think they expect to be a contending club maybe for the next two or three years. Although, Anything can happen, I guess, in a 60-game season. But the A's have their team. 
like you said earlier, this is their team. They believe this is their time and this is their window to win and, and maybe advance in the postseason. Well, and sort of a byproduct, I think, of having those everyday players is there's just not a lot of position battles that go on like in, in summer camp that, we, that we've that we just had or in spring training. I think the key one for the A's was going to be about the second base spot. Now, they moved Jorge Mateo to the San Diego Padres, Franklin Barreto on the team, but Chad Pinder, who had a, had a big hit in that game, you were talking about him earlier on Tuesday night, the opposite field. I thought it was a home run off the railing, off the brick wall kind of it at Oracle Park in San Francisco, but now Bob Melvin's saying he could be getting regular at-bats at second base what do you think of that he's been a pretty good super utility guy i thought the last couple years i'm a big pinder fan adam i think he's somebody who can really impact the game so i I like him wherever he plays and you're right there was a log jam and that was one of the storylines in spring training and the fact that he started on tuesday that kemp started monday and pinder started tuesday and they're going to see a left-hander on friday night the angels and andrew Heaney. i would think that pinder would get the start we mentioned this on tuesday that it was my sense that he would probably start the game on Friday. I think Bob Melvin alluded to that um, in his press briefing. I've said this before. I think he's a gold glove caliber outfielder. There are really no vacancies as far as starting in the outfield for the A's right now. And so he took a lot of ground balls. He's worked really hard on his defense at second base. So to have his bat in the lineup at second, I think he could be a big factor there. Yeah, I like Chad Pinder a lot, and, and the fact you can sort of plug him anywhere. I remember a time where Chapman had to come out of a game last year, and they, they subbed him in at third base. He can play pretty much wherever you need him. I think one of the biggest bummers, and, and I'll leave you with this before uh, before we get out, uh, for this season and fans not being able to attend ball games outside of not getting to go to the yard and, and feel the yard and, and sit in the sun and eat a hot dog is uh, we're not getting to boo the Houston Astros this year, Ken. I was kind of hoping we'd get a shot to do this. How do you perceive baseball receiving the Astros? I know the, the throw Throwing at guys and the getting in people's faces and the fighting is is even more strict this year than we've seen in the past. I'm not sure I anticipate sort of vigilante justice, but I'm just wondering what your takeaway is on the Astros coming into this short season. Well, it's different, right, for them. I mean, they were going to be under a great deal of scrutiny. And I think the second series of the year, if it had been a normal season, would have been for the Astros at the Coliseum against the A's. And so that would have been a difficult deal for them. And then, of course, you don't nearly have the media attention and the, you know, there's no interaction between the media and the players and the coaches and the manager this year. So from that standpoint, I think that uh, it won't be nearly as difficult for them to navigate their way through the season. And, you know, I have a lot of you know respect for Dusty Baker. And If anybody can help this team along and help them focus on the task at hand, I would think that Dusty would be that guy. Now, as far as their team on the field, I think they may be vulnerable. They're still looking for pitching. They've had some issues there. As far as uh, the coronavirus, I think, and also injuries. So they're trying to round out the starting rotation. It looks like they won't have their rookie of the year, DH, Jordan Alvarez, in there to start the season. So I think they may be vulnerable. They're still a very good club. But one thing that Adam, the A's, have in their favor this year is that with the shortened season, you're playing the teams in your division 10 times, and the A's get them seven times at the Coliseum. Now, obviously, there won't be any fans, but you couldn't have a greater kind of difference in terms of ballparks between the Coliseum and Minute Maid Park. So I think it benefits the A's to have seven of the 10 games against the Astros at home. 
I think you're probably right. And just a quick note on your Dusty Baker thing. I've always felt like he was a, a very good, like, between-the-ears manager. Not that he's not a good manager on the field, but it, it, he's always been a player's guy. He gets a lot out of his guys, so you may be right about that. There's nothing he hasn't seen, right, Adam? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, there's not, man. Not much is going to phase him, so he's a good man. We appreciate the time today, Ken, and uh, we'll listen to you, and, uh, and we'll be watching the A's, man. Friday night, Frankie Montas against Andrew Haney at the Coliseum, kicking off the 2020 season for the A's. We'll catch you down the road. Thanks a lot, Ken. Okay, Adam, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Always fun talking to Ken Korak, getting a little scope from what the Oakland A's are looking at this year. They're looking to turn the page, man. 97 wins last year, 97 wins the year before. If you're an A's fan, you got to feel like this is your window to get something done, especially with the two Mats, Marcus Semien, Loriano, the pitching staff they've got. Good young team over in Oakland. If you're enjoying the podcast, we ask that you rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you're getting your podcast, and stay tuned to the update. Next week, we're going to dive into a little Las Vegas Raiders football on Monday with the athletic writer Vic Tafer. He had an in-depth interview with Mark Davis and talked about how different the Raiders may look now that they're in the Silver State. Thanks for listening. For full coverage of sports in the Bay Area, subscribe to the update on Google Podcasts. The Athletic is the world's fastest-growing sports media publication. Get in-depth sports stories you won't find anywhere else. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting theathletic.com Google. Thanks again to Brian. Thanks again to Ken Korak. And we'll talk to you guys on Monday.